Hello everybody and welcome back. Today we're going to talk about going shopping for a concealed carry firearm and what you need to know to do it effectively. So let's get to it. Hey Scallywags, welcome to another episode of our podcast, A Pirate Talks Guns. I'm your host, John Sello. Sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Now before we get started today, I want to give a shout out to Smith & Wesson. I was in civilian law enforcement for a good number of years, and Smith & Wesson has been arming our police officers and supporting law enforcement for well over 100 years now. Uh, Mark Smith, the president and CEO, fired off a letter about crime and whether or not Smith & Wesson is supporting law enforcement. And I just want to read that to you real quick in case you haven't seen it. His text, a number of politicians and their lobbying partners in the media have recently sought to disparage Smith & Wesson. Some have had the audacity to suggest that after they have vilified, undermined, and defunded law enforcement for years, supported prosecutors who refuse to hold criminals accountable for their actions, overseen the decay of our country's mental health infrastructure, and generally promoted a culture of lawlessness, Smith & Wesson and other firearms manufacturers are somehow responsible for the crime wave that has predictably resulted from these destructive policies. But they are the ones to blame for the surge in violence and lawlessness, and they seek to avoid any responsibility for the crisis of violence they have created by attempting to shift the blame to Smith & Wesson other firearms manufacturers, and law-abiding gun owners. It is no surprise that the cities suffering most from violent crime are the very same cities that have promoted irresponsible, soft-on-crime policies that often treat criminals as victims and victims as criminals. Many of these same cities also maintain the strictest gun laws in the nation. But rather than confront the failure of their policies, Certain politicians have sought more laws restricting the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens, while simultaneously continuing to undermine our institutions of law and order, and to suppress the truth, some now seek to prohibit firearms manufacturers and supporters of the Second Amendment from advertising products in a manner designed to remind law-abiding citizens that they have a constitutional right to bear arms in defense of themselves and their families. To be clear, a Smith & Wesson firearm has never broken into a home. A Smith & Wesson firearm has never assaulted a woman out for a late-night run in the city. A Smith & Wesson firearm has never carjacked an unsuspecting driver stopped at a traffic light. Instead, Smith & Wesson provides these citizens with the means to protect, them, protect themselves and their families. We are proud of our 170-year history. We are proud of the commitment of our employees to making a quality product. We are proud to provide law-abiding citizens and law enforcement, our customers, with the tools to provide for their security and independence. We are proud of our responsible business practices. We will continue to work alongside law enforcement, community leaders, and lawmakers who are generally interested in creating safe neighborhoods. We will engage those who genuinely seek productive discussions, not a means of scoring political points. 
we will continue informing law-abiding citizens that they have a constitutional protected right to defend themselves and their families. We will never back down in our defense of the Second Amendment. This really hit home for me because when I was in law enforcement, that was back in the days where when we locked up criminals, they stayed locked up. It wasn't a catch and release where they're turned right back around on the street to go out and commit more crimes. So kudos to Smith & Wesson. All right. So you're in the market for a concealed carry gun, whether it's a new one for you, something to replace the gun you're currently carrying concealed, or something that you want for different occasions, different modes of dress. Now, we're not going to cover brands, types, whether revolver, semi-automatic, derringer, caliber. For insight on caliber, listen to the last episode where we discuss the myth of stopping power to help you determine what caliber gun you want. What this is going to be, it's going to be generic to any gun, regardless of what type, make, model. And it basically boils down to three different things. Number one, does it fit your hand? One of the biggest things I see in my classes is people coming out with guns that are either too big or too small for their hands. They're not able to hold it properly. They're not able to get as high up on the back strap as they should be able to. They have difficulty reaching the trigger or operating the control. You need a gun that you're going to be able to hold comfortably and securely. Guns being too big for the hand is primarily something I see with my female students. They'll come out and husband, boyfriend, whatever has either let them borrow a gun or recommended a gun and they simply can't hold it. It's too big for them. Uh, they can't get a proper grip because the grip's too wide, be it a double stack, or the controls are just out of reach of their hands. Conversely, the biggest problem with my male students is coming out with guns that are too small. They'll have a, a micro-compact semi-automatic or a, a snub-nosed J-frame, Smith & Wesson, for instance, that they can only get a couple of fingers on their hands on the grips. Either way, the gun doesn't fit their hands and they're not able to shoot them effectively. I'll take them out to the qualification course. They'll do dismally. I'll put a, a different gun in their hands, and they're, they're able to pass the course no problem at all. So fit is really important. One of the things you need to look at as far as fitting your hand are the grips on the gun. Depending on the type of gun you get, you may or may not have a lot of latitude in that. The polymer frame guns, short of putting grip tape on them or one of the slip-on adapters, you're pretty much stuck with the way it comes from the factory. Revolvers tend to come from the factory with wooden grips on them that are usually pretty slippery if your hands are, are wet, sweaty, and the gun moves around too much in their hands. A lot of this can be cured with aftermarket grips. I'm a big proponent of rubber grips. You're able to hold them more securely. The rubber actually absorbs some of the recoil and you can usually find different thicknesses to, to actually make the gun fit your hand better. A side note on grips, if they come with finger grooves on them, make sure the finger grooves actually line up with your fingers. Most grips tend to crowd the fingers together or spread them too far apart. So when you're looking at those, make an effort to make sure that it's actually going to fit your hand. The second important thing to look for when choosing a concealed carry firearm is, can you operate it? Now, revolvers are relatively simple. You push a button or push a latch, swing the cylinder open, and 
you're, you're pretty much good to go. Semi-automatics tend to have uh, an issue with, with some folks, older folks, people with arthritis in their hands. Women especially have some problems with semi-automatics in operating the slide. Smith & Wesson and a few of the other manufacturers have addressed this with reduced power recoil spring guns where they're actually a lot easier to operate as far as operating the slide. And this is something that you'll need to do more than just loading the gun. Should you experience any kind of malfunction, misfeed, stovepipe jams, you need to be able to operate the slide to clear the weapon and get it back in the fight. And as with any gun, you need to know how your gun operates, what each control does, how to operate them, and when to operate them. What I teach with semi-automatic pistols is the only thing the non-dominant hand does is provide support with the two-hand grip and swap magazines out. The dominant hand, the one that you're actually holding the gun in, does all the driving. It operates the manual safety, if there is one, the trigger, the slide release, the magazine release, the decock lever, if there is one. Left hand, all it's doing is feeding the gun. So you need to ensure that your hand, dominant hand, is able to operate all the controls on the gun without shifting your grip around on it. Now the last thing to look for, and to me is the most important one, is can you shoot the gun accurately? Sight radius has a lot to do with this. The shorter the sight radius, in other words, the shorter the distance between the front and rear sight, the harder it is to keep the sights aligned and fire the gun accurately. Another thing is the ability to control recoil. You got to look beyond the first shot. How quickly can you get the gun back on target and get a second shot off if necessary, or a third shot, fourth, fifth, whatever? Are you able to control the recoil of the gun where you can get back on target relatively quickly. Hey everyone, if you're looking for quality photos and videos, look no further than Lock Lore Photo. I'll leave the contact information and how to find them in the show notes. The operator of this business is a shooter, has been out to the range on several occasions, and has taken some really nice action shots and videos. So if you're looking to have an event covered, photos of anything, if you're a realtor and you want to really highlight your properties, get a hold of Lock Lore. They have some amazing drone footage for properties. Imagine being able to display your properties to your potential buyers along with a zoom out where they can see the entire surrounding area, schools, shopping centers, things of that nature. Again, Lock Lore Photo. Contact information in the show notes. Now, the only way you're going to be able to determine all of this effectively is to actually shoot the gun. I know that's easier said than done, but once you decide on what type gun you're going to get, do your research, figure out your budget, know what make, model, type of gun you're looking for, something within those parameters, and then actually find the gun to shoot it. Now, we're fortunate uh, where I live in Anderson, we're just half an hour from Greenville, South Carolina, and there's a gun shop there, City Arsenal, that has a tremendous selection of rental guns. For a set price, you can shoot as many of the rental guns there as you want. I send students there regularly. This way, they're able to actually fire the gun 
and determine which one actually fits their hand and what's really going to work for them. If you don't have access to rental guns, ask your friends. If there are ranges nearby, contact the range manager. Let them know what you're interested in and have them put the word out. Maybe one of the members would volunteer to let you shoot their gun. I know if anybody were to contact the range manager I operate out of, and they want to shoot a Beretta or a 1911 or any of the other handguns that I have, I would be more than glad to go to the range and let them try the gun out. I would rather spend some of my time in helping someone determine what gun they need as opposed to someone making a purchase and and just not being satisfied with the gun. Uh, I've seen this so many times where people are pulled in by the, the marketing hype. Oh, you know, this gun's the greatest and They come out to the class and they're just completely unable to actually operate the gun effectively. If you're going to spend the money, it's like they say, buy once, cry once. If you buy a gun that doesn't fit your hand, doesn't meet your needs, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm all for buying as many guns as you want. I don't think there really should be a limit on them. But people with limited budgets or wives that are accountants, I say that because mine is one. You want to make sure that, not to use a pun, but you're getting the most bang for your buck that way. Hopefully you found this helpful. If you have any questions at all, there's various ways to contact me. I'll leave them in the show notes. You can email me. My email address is john at tacticalpirate.com. You can go to my website, tacticalpirate.com, and utilize the chat application we have on there. Give me a call or text at my phone. It's area code 864 617-4743. So until next time, shoot safe, be safe, have a great weekend coming up, and we'll see you next episode.